a psalm, a song for the Sabbath day. Father God, as we gather as your people today, even in this strange way, we pray that you would speak to us through this psalm designed for your people for the Sabbath day and shape us to look to you, the Lord who is our rock. Amen. Well, on Monday last week, BBC presenter Dan Walker tweeted a photo of his church in Sheffield, saying how good it had been to be back in the building, even though it was socially distanced. The tweet had over 100 comments on it, of which a good number said something along these lines. God knows you missed four months for a disease he could have stopped. And doesn't feel like he's listening, though, does it? Meanwhile, in China, the government has started taking adopted children away from Christian families and sending them back to their birth families, as well as threatening to send Christian children to government re-education camps. And across Africa and the Middle East, Islamic extremists are routinely putting Christians to death. Two weeks ago, as we started our series in Psalms, David Ashman mentioned that book four of the Psalms carries a strong exile theme. It's most likely that these Psalms were originally gathered together by and for the people as they began to return from exile and rebuild Jerusalem. But many actually chose to stay in Persia, where they had comfortable lives and plenty to eat. For the remnant that returned, though, as you can read in Ezra and Nehemiah, it wasn't a happy time. They find the whole place in ruins, and the rebuilding of the temple results in tears of sadness at how bad it is compared to the original. So perhaps many of them wish they'd just stayed behind in Persia. You see, when the people around us are flourishing and we're not, we can wonder whether or not God really is listening. Back in 2017, Andrea Williams, the chief executive of Christian Concern, appeared on This Morning on ITV. And as she spoke about her Christian beliefs about LGBT issues, presenter Philip Schofield remarked, I'm finding this utterly abhorrent. Before saying, We'll get back to the show and back to 2017 and not medieval Britain in just a second. It can be easy to wonder as Christians if we should just give up. I'm sure many in China and those whose lives are threatened by Islamic extremists have decided it's just not worth it. And we know there are plenty in the West who have chosen to dismiss the things the Bible says which are more difficult. Maybe you've heard the phrase, you're on the wrong side of history. The sentiment was clearly there in Philip Schofield's comments. And God's people could easily believe it to be true, both in 500 BC and today. Why is Jerusalem in ruins while Persia thrives? Why isn't God stopping COVID-19? Is he really there? Well, this psalm is here to clean out our minds and recalibrate our perspective 
on the world. It's a psalm for the Sabbath day in the title you'll see. The only one, in fact, with that title for the day when God's people take a step back away from the rest of the world to gather together and worship God. And we're reminded that what we see now isn't how things really are. Because God's people can never be on the wrong side of history. Now you might find it helpful to picture it like this. This psalm is like a mountain for us to climb, which begins with a call to sing. And right at the top of the mountain, we're going to be reminded of something that's going to have us singing even more loudly when we get down the other sides and walk back out into the world. So as we step into the Sabbath day, away from the distractions and the pressures and the frustrations of daily life, we're reminded, firstly, it is always good to praise the Lord. It is always good to praise the Lord. Now, I use the phrase the Lord here rather than just God to keep the language of the psalm. You'll see there the word Lord in capital letters being God's name, Yahweh. That's how our English Bibles write it down, which interestingly appears in this Sabbath day psalm seven times. And it is this name, Yahweh, to which the psalmist calls us to make music. Let me read from verse one. It is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High to proclaim your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night to the music of the ten-stringed lyre and the melody of the harp. For you make me glad by your deeds, O Lord. I sing for joy at the work of your hands. How great are your works, O Lord. How profound your thoughts. Now, before anything God has done, he is worthy of praise simply for who he is. He is Yahweh. That's his name. I am. He isn't any generic gods. He is the one true God. The God who is, has been and always will be unchanging forever. And since the beginning of time, Yahweh has been pouring out love and demonstrating his faithfulness to his people so in our praise we proclaim his love and his faithfulness verse two now notice as we go that each of these verses and most of the verses in the psalm are made up of two parallel lines which essentially say the same thing in different ways and this is this is mainly how hebrew poetry rhymes by paralleling ideas like this and in verse two we see in the morning and at night, which together like this is a poetic way of saying all the time. So it is always good to praise the Lord and it is always good because he is always Yahweh, the God who is, who doesn't change, whose love and faithfulness are on constant display and in constant supply. And so, verse three, we make music. Perhaps this is all the more poignant since we haven't been able to sing together for so many months now. I'm sure you've all missed it, 
because music is a wonderful gift from God that allows us to inject emotion into words in a unique way. In their book, Sing, Christian songwriters Keith and Christine Getty say that human beings were created to sing. Now, that's basically why Sky and BT Sport have been playing the sound of fans chanting, cheering and singing in the background of football matches. Because everybody sings to express themselves and the atmosphere that makes a football match what it is comes from exactly that. Human beings were created to sing and we were created by a God who has given us plenty to sing about. Charles Spurgeon suggests that when we hear the birds sing in the morning, we should be joining in. Wouldn't it be good for us if every time we hear birds singing in the morning, it reminded us of all the things God has given us to sing about? So in verse four, the psalmist looks to God's deeds, the works of his hands. This begins with creation itself, the original work of his hands. And even in its broken state, the beauty of God's creation shines through. But we also have new reasons to be glad by God's deeds every day. So why not wake up tomorrow morning and over breakfast talk about the reasons you have to sing for joy? And then maybe wake up your neighbours by doing just that. As we look around the world and see others flourishing, while God's people seemingly don't, we can wonder if God really is faithful and just. When Boko Haram and ISIS seem to be in control, is God really worthy of praise? When the tide of our culture is turning against Christian ethics, Well, the answer this psalm gives is yes, it is always good to praise the Lord. And as we step into the Sabbath day, take our first steps up the mountain. Perhaps we just need reminding. We need our glasses wiped clean so we can see how great are the works of the Lord. In verse five, that word profound has the sense of being very deep. The way God governs the world is incomprehensible to human beings. The believer knows this and praises him. The senseless man, though, verse six, doesn't. The fool does not understand that while they seem to flourish now, their eternal destiny is destruction. So we move up the mountain then and see that secondly, it is never good to oppose the Lord. It is never good to oppose the Lord. Verse six, the senseless man does not know. Fools do not understand that though the wicked spring up like grass and all evildoers flourish, they will be forever destroyed. But you, O Lord, are exalted forever. In the Psalms and wisdom literature, the word fool is always used to refer to people who refuse to praise Yahweh. Because, of course, it is, it is foolish. Although they seem to flourish, those who oppose the Lord will not flourish forever. Now, there are many people today who would never want to say, 
they oppose God. Lots of our friends probably think of themselves as neutral. But according to the Bible, there is no such category. If you're not with God, praising him as the Lord of all creation, then you're opposing him, refusing to acknowledge him as the Lord of all creation and praise him. Following the heat wave we've been having, you can probably look outside right now and get that reference to grass in verse seven. It doesn't take a lot of sun without any rain for super green grass to go super brown. And just imagine how much more pronounced that is in the Middle East, in Israel. So it is with those who oppose God. They seem to be flourishing. But those who refuse to turn to the Lord will be forever destroyed. As we continue up the mountain of Psalm 92, then our vision starts to become clearer as we start to focus on the future and see that it is never good to oppose the Lord. Throughout his ministry, Jesus faced opposition, which eventually led to his death. We heard in our second reading just how much mockery he faced in those final hours before his crucifixion. It seems to be the wicked who were flourishing as Jesus died on the cross. Satan was the one celebrating that day. It seemed that Jesus really was on the wrong side of history. He'd claimed to be the son of God, but he'd gotten it all wrong. Three days later, though, he rose from the dead and Satan was crushed. Death was defeated. The fate of the wicked one and all who opposed God with him was secured. It is never good to oppose the Lord. And it is Jesus' death and resurrection that gives us our greatest reason to sing. Because Jesus didn't give up, because he has sung this psalm before us, in the face of suffering, mockery, and even death, he knew that those who oppose God will not flourish forever. So we who by nature oppose the Lord in our hearts have, by grace, through Jesus' death, been freed from the penalty of our sin, and through his resurrection been brought to new life, given new hearts. So we no longer oppose the Lord, but praise him. And we ought to pray for and plead with people that they would turn their opposition to praise rather than be destroyed. Both we and they need reminding that those who cry out, you're on the wrong side of history, haven't properly considered the future. This is part of their senselessness. They haven't considered eternity the eternity which Jesus has secured in his death and resurrection. So that those who oppose the Lord will be forever destroyed. But you, O Lord, verse 8, are exalted forever. And here we've reached the mountain peak. So it's time to take in the view, get your camera out, take a picture. Because this is the reason we've climbed the mountain. 
to take in this view and make sure we don't forget it. It is always good to praise the Lord and it is never good to oppose the Lord because thirdly, the Lord is exalted forever. Now I said before that each verse in this Psalm consists of a pair of parallel lines, but you'll notice that verse seven actually has three lines while verse eight is a single line that stands alone. And then if you look onto verse nine, you'll see another three lines followed by another six pairs. And so verses one to seven and nine to 15 are like an arrow directing our attention to verse eight, the summit, the main point, the Lord is exalted forever. So those who praise him cannot be on the wrong side of history because he will have the last word in history. History is his story. He is the author and he isn't handing over the pen to anybody else. So none of what we've seen so far in verses one to seven could ever be any different because Yahweh, the most high, verse one, is on high forever. That word exalted in verse eight basically just means high. He is above all things and he isn't moving. He can't be replaced. His position isn't going to come up for grabs. He is, he was, and he always will be on high forever. And so as we start to walk back down the other side of the mountain, we see the consequences of that, both for those who oppose Yahweh and for those who praise him. So verse nine parallels the three lines of verse seven and tells us that the wicked enemies of the Lord will indeed perish. God is on high forever. So his enemies have no other destiny but destruction. For surely your enemies, O Lord, surely your enemies will perish. All evildoers will be scattered. So don't oppose the Lord. Turn to him. Through the cross of Christ, anyone can turn from enemy to friend of God. And if the Lord is exalted forever, then those who praise him will be exalted with him. Verse 10, you have exalted my horn like that of a wild ox. Fine oils have been poured upon me. The horn there symbolizes strength, while the oil symbolizes being fresh and healthy. And having seen the works of God's hands in verse four, the revitalized psalmist now sees the defeat of his enemies. Verse 11, my eyes have seen the defeat of my adversaries. My ears have heard the rout of my wicked foes. And so it was with the Lord Jesus, who was exalted in his resurrection and who was ascended to God's right hands. He saw the defeat of his enemies of the enemy and so our great enemy sin has been defeated we are free from its penalty we are being freed from its power and one day we will be freed totally from its presence and that brings us to verse 12 the righteous will flourish like a palm tree they will grow like a cedar of lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. 
They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no wickedness in him. So here the grass from verse seven is contrasted with the firm, long lasting palm tree and the huge green cedar of Lebanon. In Psalm 1, the blessed one is described as being like a tree planted by a river, which yields fruit in season. And here in Psalm 92, the righteous one is a tree planted in the house of the Lord, who continues to bear fruit into old age, staying fresh and green. Now, whether or not it's right to explicitly link those two Psalms together, I think it is worth noting that all the way through the Bible, From the beginning to the end, rivers and temples, the house of the Lord, tend to go together. Until in Revelation 22, the final chapter of the Bible, the river of the water of life flows from the throne of God, the temple, with the tree of life stood on each side, giving life to the new creation, where there is no longer any curse, where all that is wrong is put right. And so, as we began proclaiming God's love and faithfulness, verse 2, we end proclaiming that he is upright, verse 15. Although his people have seemed to be on the wrong side of history, have seemed to be abandoned while others flourish, in the end, for eternity, it is those who praise the Lord who will flourish forever. Ever fresh, ever green ever fruitful and this i think is the real crux of the heading of the psalm because the sabbath day was given to the people of god as a reminder as a sign of the ultimate sabbath that was to come when exile will be over and we will praise the name of the lord most high morning and night with no enemies in sight until then Though God is our rock, our firm foundation in the midst of a world that opposes him and those who follow him. He has not abandoned his people. He is with us and he is our rock forever. So as we get to the bottom of the mountain, why not sit down and take a rest on the rock? The eternal rock that will never waste away get out your camera look back at the pictures you've taken along the way let that perspective that the lord is exalted forever shape the way you see the world so we've seen that it is always good to praise the lords it is never good to oppose the lords and the greatest view of all the lord is always exalted he will be exalted forever and so his people the righteous look forward to an eternal sabbath with him so we praise the lord not because the present is easy but because the future is glorious let me pray Gracious Father, God of love and faithfulness, 
and justice. We pray that you would help us to sit on the rock, to rest on you, to trust you as our firm foundation through a world that often seems to show us that you're not really there, that you're not really listening. Father, we pray particularly for our brothers and sisters in places like Africa and the Middle East where they face death, the real possibility of being killed for trusting in you. We pray that you would help them to focus on that eternal Sabbath and would you help our view of the world to be shaped by the fact that you are the one who is exalted forever and that that will never change. Amen.